Good to be with you, TC3. Starting a new series called Rock Solid. I think you're going to enjoy it because it really has to do with, with uh, where we're living and, and how we're living. So I'm going to just come out of the gate with a question. What is most important to you? I want you, if you've got your cell phones, you can take the picture of this and just kind of kind of unpack this a little bit this week and think about this question. What is most important to you? So as I was processing and I was like, you know, my faith is the most important thing to me. It's, it's, it's the thing that guides me. It's, wh- it's where I want to get things right. I want my relationship with God to be strong. I believe everything springs from faith. And then after that, my family comes into play. These are mine, okay? Family, family comes into play uh, as, as my second highest priority. And then, uh, and some of us are wrestling with those two priorities, right? Okay, so I've got, I've got family under my, under my faith. And then I've got my work under that, uh, because I, I think what we, do, what we do matters. And then under that, for, under that one for me would be legacy. I want to I finish well. I want to be a part of a work that matters. I want to be a part of something that outlasts me, that, that has kingdom impact. And so those are mine. I want you to think about what your answer is to that question. I want you to talk about it with, uh, with important people in your life, because understanding this is really important. I was in a conversation with my son recently about uh, gun control, and uh, not not a uh, not a topic that everybody agrees on, right? And so we're having this conversation, and we're going. Oh, you, some of you are going. Oh, now he's going political. Yes, I am for just a minute. So not a conversation that everybody uh, agrees on the other person's viewpoint. It's kind of a heated conversation uh, in America, and so him and I started going back and forth in this conversation, I was presenting some really good points. I mean, I was really eloquent in what I was saying. I had information to back what I was saying, and then he was coming back with, with his points, and it just kind of got to a level to where, I mean, like, like, this is my son, but it got to a level to where I'm like, gun control ain't the problem, you're the problem, right? Isn't that what happens when we get into these conversations sometimes? And I'm like, I need to like, go after his mother, and I'm like, no, I'm married to his mother. That wouldn't be good. And it just got to that point to where I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm about, I'm about ready to lose what is most important. Drive a wedge in between me and what is most important for something that is important. And for a lot of us, we're compromising what's most important for what is important. The issue is not bad that you're passionate about, but it's probably not the most important thing. For me, I would rather have a relationship with my son that's long-lasting, enduring, and loving. That is one of the things that is most important to me. A teacher here recently uh, started her her school year with with this. She had her kids come in and she asked them this question, "What, uh, what baggage do you carry around? What is baggage? She asked them to define that. And what baggage do you carry around? And she had them write it on these little pieces of paper, and they wrote out their responses that were heartbreaking responses from middle school students. And they crumpled them up, and they put them in a garbage bag that was posted right by the door. And so then what she had her other students do was go in and reach into the garbage bag and then read the baggage of some of their fellow students. She cried. Some of her fellow students cried as, as they read baggage. You know, my dad left me when I was three years old, that kind of stuff. My mom and dad are going through a divorce, that kind of stuff. I'm being bullied, that kind of stuff. 
I hate myself, that kind of stuff. And when that stuff was being poured out in that classroom, something important happened. The most important thing happened, right? A teacher is about educating. That's, that's the mission of a teacher. But more important than that, a teacher is about loving that student. And she was communicating in that moment that you matter more than anything else. Teaching comes secondary. You matter the most. And I think, that it's, I think it's really important that we get down what matters most to us. And then ask this question. Take a picture of this question. Where am I focusing my attention? Now, this is the question that really bothered me. Because if you break it down in regards to how you spend your time, how I'm spending my time right now, if you break it down, it doesn't always align with your highest priorities unless you're walking in perfection. And so for me, when I walked through this simple exercise, I was like, man, I have some course correcting to do. Because I'm asking the question, are the demands of the urgent undermining what's most important in my life? Are the demands of the urgent undermining what's most important in our lives? Faith is the most important thing in our lives. So we have to ask the question, what steps can we take to make room for the priorities that are in our lives? And be very specific about that. If you, if you walk down the road of this exercise, it will keep you on track in a culture that's always shifting directions, isn't it? Culture is always changing. But thank, thankfully, the Bible's not silent about culture. Jesus was in the trenches with everybody when you look in the text of Scripture. In Matthew 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has a bunch of people gathered, and he's preaching to this Sermon on the Mount, and he's saying, listen, our choices, they have consequences, both good and bad consequences, and so be careful how you live. And he ends the Sermon on the Mount, and he's saying, listen, there were these two roads. One leads to life, and one leads to destruction. There's two trees. One tree was fruitful. One tree was not fruitful. And then he's saying there's two foundations. One foundation was good. One foundation was bad. And he's saying our choices matter. And Jesus is asking us to consider this question. What foundation are you building on? What foundation are you building on? Because that will that will determine if your priorities are aligned. And today we're going to be talking about rock-solid priorities. Think about how culture is shifting and changing. Think about how your parents corrected you in public. Think about how you correct your kids in public today. A little bit different, isn't it? Like most of us that that have some mileage under our belt can tell stories about how our parents disciplined us. Different today, isn't it? Think about the words that you could say maybe 10 years ago and you don't say today. Things are different today. If your name is Karen, right? Culture hijacked your name as an adjective, right? Not a bunch of people naming their kids Karen anymore. But values are ever-changing in an ever-changing world, in an ever-changing culture. We need absolutes that'll keep us grounded, that'll keep us sane, that'll help us stay focused, teach us 
how to live because we need to be able to have firm convictions because there are big issues that we're addressing in life. And we want to know how to live life in a meaningful way. Like we, we face that question, why was I born? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? And we live in a society with uncertain foundations. And David in Psalms chapter 13, I think it's verse number, or in Psalms chapter 11, verse number 3, he says these words. He said, if the foundations are destroyed, what are the righteous to do? Like if the principles that have guided us to get us here are destroyed, then what are the righteous people supposed to do? And that's a question that all of us, all of us have asked in our own words. And he answers that question and he says these words, the Lord still rules from heaven. The Lord is still over all of it, even though everything looks messy and uncertain and ugly, and there are things in society and culture that you can't understand. There are things that are sadly laughable. And he's saying, listen, the Lord rules from heaven, and he draws this picture of the physical world that depicts a spiritual concern. If your foundation is bad, the whole building is going to crumble. If God's people build their foundations on sand, disaster is coming. Whatever we feel is right in this culture. Do it. And then, I want you to affirm me in my behavior. That's kind of culture today, right? Whatever I feel is right, I'm going to do it, and then I want other people to come around me and affirm me in whatever I, whatever I do. Subjective morality. It's not a good foundation for building a moral framework. Hear what I'm saying. Subjective or situational morality is not a good foundation for formulating a moral framework. Think about this. You've been in classes before where over 51% of you wanted that teacher fired, gone. Is that not true? How many of you have been in classes where, classrooms where you like wanted the teacher fired? I mean, I could name names of teachers. I named one in, in the school of theology that I went to. Her name was Judy Brown. I'm like, man, if I could get her fired, I'd do it in a minute. And I think I could, I think I could garnish some support. I was with one of my friends here recently, and he said, you know who, te- who taught me how to preach? Judy Brown. I'm like, if we use subjective morality to figure out how we should live, we're going to find ourselves in trouble quickly. We need reliable, unshakable truth to stand on. We need instruction in regards to how to live what to live for in a wandering world. And Jesus is saying in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, he's saying, what foundation are you building on? Let's take a look at it. Matthew 7, chapter chapter 7, verse number 24. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. You listen to his teaching and you follow it. Do it. You're wise. Like a person who builds his house on the, on, on the rock. Now, if you go over into Israel, you'll find that there are these riverbeds. And Israel gets dry in the summertime. So the temptation is to build close to where the river is flowing because you're closer to the water. And it feels, because the land is so parched and dry, 
that you're building on a rock-solid foundation because it's been scorched. The sun has scorched the earth to such a degree that it feels like it's rock-solid. But that foundation is tested when the rains come and when they do come and blow against the house, you know if your foundation is solid or not because in that region, they're prone to flash floods. You know in drier regions, when they get rain, they're prone to flash floods. So it says this in Matthew 7, 25, though the rain comes in torrents and the, water, and the flood waters rise and the winds beat up against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And so then he goes further and he talks about the next builder. He says, anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey them is like a person who builds a house on sand and when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house it'll collapse with a mighty crash so jesus is saying listen two builders two builders using the same material in the same geographic region one stands up when the rains come one collapses when the rains beat against it and so you think about the foundation. The difference is the foundation. One built on the sand, one built on it, says in the text of Scripture, the rock or solid bedrock. And so again, Jesus is asking that question, where are you building your, your life? What is foundational in your life? Jesus is saying, be careful where you build your house. If your house is built on I think and I feel, when the winds and the rains of this world blow against you, when the doctor gives you a bad report or when you're facing that temptation that's bigger than you or when something happens to you relationally, your house is gonna collapse. It'll collapse. Build on a foundation solid enough to be anchored during the times of the storm. Some of you are getting ready to go to college. There's a storm coming your direction. You need to be anchored in the principles of the text of scripture. Some of you are going back to school. Pressure is going to be there. You've gone through passion camp. You're going to, be, going to need to be anchored in the principles of the text of Scripture to stand the test of time. Some of us will face a bad report from a doctor. Some of us will face bad relational news. We need to be anchored in the Lord to be able to stand the test that's coming. The wise person, it says in the text of Scripture, builds on the rock. The wise person or the wise builder is the one who hears or reads the Bible and does what it says. The wise person isn't the person who just comes to church and listens to what Gordon has to say. The wise person hears or reads the Word of God, the instructions of the Lord, and does what it says. That's the definition of a disciple. A disciple is someone who does what the Word of God tells them to do. Now, some of us, and I'm thankful for this, so don't get me wrong, but some of us, we really love the Bible. We're students of the Bible. We love the intricate details of the Bible. But one of the dangers for those that love the Bible or learning is to think that hearing and learning is the same as doing. It's not. Hearing and learning is completely different than doing. How you live out your faith, how I live out our faith, my faith on Monday is what matters most to the Lord. 
Another trap is the trap of selective hearing, right? Some of us have that with our spouses. We have selective hearing. Like, they don't hear anything. Yeah, selective hearing. Some of us are like that with the text of Scripture. We love some of Jesus' teaching. Like, when he talks about judging, man, we're like, I'm going to be like Jesus, not judge. I'm going to tell you to be like Jesus and don't judge. We love that. We love the showing mercy. Jesus showed mercy. Give me some mercy. We love the benevolence factor of the text of Scripture. Let's do really good things for people who need things in their life. Let's provide for the poor. We love the be loving part of Scripture. Be loving. Jesus says be be loving. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what what he said. I need to be more loving. Like Jesus, be more forgiving. That's a little bit difficult, but you're like, okay, I understand. I'm going to try. Be more forgiving. We embrace, embrace that. But here's the thing. If we're selective and we kind of embrace that stuff, and then on Monday we're a drunk, we're a tightwad taker, we're a gossip, okay, that happens in a church, we're a critic and we're critical of people all the time and we're bashing and lashing out on social media platforms if that defines us, if we're prone to anger, if we're loose with our morality, if we're cutthroat in business, if we're okay with a little bit of porn, not a bunch, just a little bit of porn, you're a foolish builder. Your house is going to come crashing down. Your foundation is not built on the Lord unless you embrace the totality of what the Bible tells us and what Jesus is talking about. Never think that because we participate in the life of the church or if we are faithful to watch it online even when we don't make it here, never think that if we hear and even agree with the truth that we're automatically practicing the truth. The Holy Spirit will be our guide in that that arena, and we need to yield to his counsel. The text will be the guide in that arena, and we need to yield to the counsel in Scripture. A wise builder not only hears the word of God, but puts them into practice. And their house stands strong when the storm comes. When you make those decisions to walk away from the party, or to stay faithful in your marriage, to not be a cutthroat business person, to be honest when other people are being dishonest, to be forgiving when other people are unloving, your house stands the test of time. The foolish builder builds on the sand, it says in the text of Scripture. The foolish builder is the person who hears and reads the Bible but does not do what it says. Now, we love these passages of Scripture that talk about who God is. But what if you take a passage of Scripture and you kind of flip it around? So I did this with Psalms 23 a while back, and it, and it was very eerie to me. Psalms 23, if, you are, if you're a foolish builder, if you're living your life outside of relationship with God or the totality of what it means to walk in the believer's blessing, Psalms 23, according to the foolish builder, is this. The Lord was not your shepherd, you are in great want. You will not lie down in green pastures, God won't lead you beside quiet waters, God will not restore your soul. God will not guide you to the right path because you don't care about him, and when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear evil because God is not with you. Protection of God will not comfort you, 
You will not have peace in the presence of your enemies. You will never know God's blessing. God's mercy and God's goodness will never follow you, not one of the days of your life, and you will never dwell in the house of the Lord. Not ever. That's terrible. That's outside of the blessing of God. That's the foolish builder in a nutshell, and Jesus is saying, be careful how you build your house. Be careful where you build your house. Don't let culture tell you how to build your house. Now here's the thing, and this is one of the things that gets people sideways. The storm hit the wise and the foolish builder with equal force. The wise builder, those that hear the word of God, put it into practice, they get hit with storms too. The foolish builder that builds on the sand, they get hit with the same storms. One of them stands and one of them falls. Jesus said this earlier in Matthew chapter 5. He said, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. You ever wonder why good things happen to bad people? He gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and this is along with our text, he sends rain on the just and the unjust, what? What's that word? Alike. They get it, and we get it. Jesus is saying, listen, there's a storm coming in your life. Either you've just come through one, you're coming out of one, you're not in one now, you're going into one. That's what's happening. The rain will fall, the winds will come, beat against the house of every single person. Statistics reveal this. Like, you don't need to be a math major to figure this out. 10 out of 10 people die. Like, none of us, right? None of us are going to escape death unless the rapture happens. 10 out of 10 people die. Before Jesus said this, and since Jesus said this, people have been dying. And our dying days really reveal what foundation we built our house on. Because then we're cleaning up the things that matter the most. We're thinking about people. We're thinking about our relationship with God. We're thinking about the real stuff in those moments. And what I'm saying and what the text is telling us is, listen, don't wait for trauma or drama to turn to Christ. A lot of us came to Christ because of trauma and drama. Listen, we don't have to wait for that to knock on our doors. Our marriages don't have to to fail before we turn to Jesus. Addiction doesn't need to have us in its grips before we turn to Jesus. Our financial world doesn't have to crumble before we turn to Jesus, and cancer doesn't have to raise its ugly head and eat up our body before we turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus now. It's a good foundation. These are some of the things it says about building your life on God. He said this, I'm not going to test you above what you're able to handle in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. He said, I'm always going to be there for you in Matthew chapter 28. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble, Psalm 50. He said, cast your care on me because I care about you in 1 Peter chapter 5. And he says in Romans chapter 8, remember that all things, everything works for the good A little bit earlier, he said, what can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Like, building your foundation on God 
It's a good thing. It's a helpful thing. It's a thing that will help you get through life well. It'll help you make a difference in life. And then he says in Psalms 37, 3, you can trust me. You can trust God. Culture is always shifting. Trying to keep up with what's going on and everything that's happening in culture. He's saying, trust me. The choice is ours. What foundation are we building on? How do wise builders build? They develop a biblical worldview. The psalmist asked this question in Psalms 119. How can a young person stay pure? Like, how do you make it in a culture that's changing and shifting gears and moving in different directions all the time? How do you stay pure? You obey the word. It says further, evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored in your instruction, it says in Psalm 119, 61. He says in Psalm 119, 105, it's like, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. You ever wanted to know which way to go, what direction to follow? And then he said in regards to the value of a relationship with God, he said in Psalms 119, 72, he said, your, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. And then in Psalm 119, 144, it says, your laws are always, get that word, always right. Help me to understand them so that I can live. Developing a biblical worldview is the secret to surviving in a forever changing world. Hebrews talks about it. It says in Hebrews 4, for the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden before God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. We don't read the Bible. The Bible reads us. It's alive and active. It goes where no other book can go. And Jesus is saying, listen, be careful where you build your house. Let's be wise builders. Let's develop a biblical worldview and when the culture and the urgent scream louder than anything we seem to be able to hear, it's important to separate the noise from God's Word. Let's not waste our life changing culture, chasing the noise. So here's how I want to end our time together today. Some of us, like, as I asked those first questions as I began this talk, you were like, man, these are, these are the things that are the most important to me, but this is how I'm spending my time, and it doesn't line up. And, it, and you were just challenged in that moment. You're like, listen, I, I've been, you knew. I've been distracted. If that's you, I, I want to lift up a prayer specifically for you that the Holy Spirit will guide you on that, on that path to get back to where you know the Spirit is calling you to be. If you, you, I'm going to start over here, this section over here. If you just say, hey, I've been distracted, Gordon. I, I just want you to pray that God will help me align the things that are most important. Okay? This section here, good, hands going up here. Been distracted, this section here. Okay, only four people in that section. Okay, everybody else has an issue, not this section. I'm just kidding you guys. You guys are great people. Okay, you've been distracted. 
That was me this week. I was like, hey, this section over here. I've been distracted. That's, that's me. I'm asking God to help me. I'm going to ask God to help you as well. And then there's another group of people here. You're, you're going, man, I've just been a foolish builder. Quite simply, I've just been building my life on I feel and I think. Instead of God's word, to know that God is good and can be trusted, my life will have meaning and purpose, that hole will get filled inside of me if I embrace a relationship with him and build my life on him, I want that today. If you would just say, hey, I, I need to establish a relationship with Christ. I want to help lead you in a prayer to get that journey started so that you can become a new creation in Christ, so you can commit today to building on that foundation. If that's you, you say, hey, I need to establish a relationship with Christ today. Would you raise your hand, say, I need to, I need to meet Christ today? Okay, good. Hands going up here, here, good. I need to establish a relationship with Christ. Anybody there? Hands going up there, good. This section here, I need a relationship with Christ, okay? A couple hands there, good. This section here, hands here, good. This section over there, anybody say, hey, I need to establish a relationship with Christ? Good. Hands going up there. All right. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, please come. Take control of my life from this day forward. I choose you over the world. Forgive me of my sins and heal me. Today I am a new creation. I choose to build my life on you. May the Word of God and the Holy Spirit be my guide. In Jesus' name I receive this. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for people that have established a relationship with you. There's a celebration in heaven and there's a party going on here on earth in this church for people who have come home, decided to build their foundation on you. I pray that that seed would grow and take over every aspect of their life and we as a church would help them to be able to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Let this be a marker day in their lives. Father, I pray for those of us also that respond to this text through understanding that we've been a little bit distracted. We have our priorities right, but how we're executing, dear Lord, is not flawless. I pray that you'd help us in that process of, of realigning what is most important with how we're living. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would be our guide and you would guide us and lead us. Help us to be people of impact who dig into the things that matter most. Thank you for your abiding presence that never leaves us or forsakes us. You're such a good God. And there's a celebration in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Listen, we've had people come to Jesus today. As always, an awesome, awesome, awesome day. We also have baptism coming up tonight. If you've recently come to Christ, like today, or you have not been baptized, that's your next step in faith. Still time to sign up. God bless you today. Andy.